Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Alleluia, alleluia. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Alleluia, alleluia. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Alleluia, alleluia. Greetings, friends, and welcome to Bethel Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Amy Beveridge, and this is our online worship experience. I hope everyone is having a restorative summer, safe travels on your adventures. I always enjoy the slower summer pacing, although I have to say we've got some pretty great projects in the works here at church, so it might be quiet now, but some lovely things are unfolding for the fall, which you're going to hear more about in the coming weeks. We've had some new faces at church, and it's been really heartwarming to meet the amazing people who are making a home in our congregation. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing them to us. I've also spent some time reconnecting with Bethel folks who haven't been able to join us in person, and I just want to invite you to do the same. Who needs a phone call? Who do you miss seeing? Who might need to hear a friendly voice? And sometimes, I'll tell you, I don't even call first. I just go and knock. So I encourage you to do the same, but do what feels right, calling, knocking, as we continue sewing our community together in the midst of COVID. I also want to take a moment to give you that nudge about tithing to church. I want you to know that because of your financial gifts, this online presentation is possible, and all the new things coming in September are possible too. So I want to thank you in advance for your support. There's a little online donate button on the webpage where you are listening to this. If you haven't used it before, I encourage you to do so. Or you can bring your gift to church and leave it in our Dropbox outside the office door. I know some of you see that. Or you can use the postal service. Just know that your donations make a difference and we so appreciate them. All right, well, we are on a run through Acts 6 and 7, covering a lot of ground today, where we learn of an important but little explored person in our history, the disciple Stephen. So let us worship the God who brought us to this moment, creator, redeemer, sustainer. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God of all mercy and consolation, come to the help of your people turning us from our sin, to live for you alone. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit that we may confess our sin, receive your forgiveness, and grow into the fullness of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, 
We confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake God forgives us all our sins. I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. response to the hungry and the poor that we may live out truth and justice and grace let us pray to the Lord let us pray to the Lord Kyrie eleison on our world and on our way Kyrie spirit to guide that you center our lives in the water and the word that you nourish our souls with your body and blood let us pray to the Lord let us pray to the Lord Kyrie eleison on our world and on our way Kyrie Eternal God, you draw near to us in Christ and you make yourself our guest. Amid the cares of our lives, make us attentive to your presence that we may treasure your word above all else. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Well, for today's portion of Acts, we both meet Stephen and we say goodbye to Stephen in the terrible death that he will die. He is known as Christianity's first martyr. You may know him less from the book of Acts, though, and better from the carol Good King Wenceslas, who looked out on the feast of Stephen. Yes, his feast day is the day after Christmas. And I ask you all to consider, why after the birth of Jesus do we commemorate this day, at least historically, and why do the British celebrate Boxing Day on this day? My family does, and is there a connection between those things? What purpose does it serve for the church to remember the martyr in the wake of the Savior's birth? Now, I have an answer, 
Perhaps there are several answers. I'm not going to give it to you today, but I'm going to let you puzzle that one out. Maybe you'll get back to me with some thoughts. But back to our ancient story, Stephen is chosen from his community to address a concern of equity. The early Christians are not distributing food equally to those that they have pledged to care for, but rather they are giving out resources based on whether the widow was familiar to them or shared the same roots, culture, and language. Stephen is called upon with others to address this. He's called upon to write the system and to serve. But he brings so much more to the story than just his ability to care for the widows. He was a talker. And not only was he a talker, he was full of the Spirit. And the more he talked about Jesus, the more trouble he got into until he was finally seized and brought before the religious council. He gives a huge testimony there, rooting his love of Christ in the Jewish story. Now, I haven't given you his whole speech here today, but I encourage you to read Acts 6 and 7 for yourselves and see the teaching and testimony that Stephen offers before he is found guilty. And actually, that's not even fair. I shouldn't even say that. He's not found guilty. All that happens is the crowd becomes enraged, and that rage consumes them until Stephen is murdered. It's a really painful story we have today. And yet, unavoidable, because something happens in that moment that changes the trajectory of the disciples forever. Without Stephen, we would not be here today. So let's hear that word now. A reading from Acts, chapters 6 and 8. Stephen, full of grace and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and others of those from Cilicia and Asia stood up and argued with Stephen, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. Then they secretly instigated some men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. They stirred up the people as well as the elders and the scribes. Then they suddenly confronted him, seized him, and brought him before the council. They set up false witnesses who said, This man never stops saying things against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses handed on to us. And all who sat in the council looked intently at him, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And Stephen said, Our ancestors had the tent of testimony in the wilderness, as God directed when he spoke to Moses, ordering him to make it according to the pattern he had seen. Our ancestors, in turn, brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our ancestors. And it was there until the time of David, who found favor with God and asked that he might find a dwelling place for the house of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? 
You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you are forever opposing the Holy Spirit, just as your ancestors used to do. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, and now you have become his betrayers and murderers. You are the ones that received the law as ordained by angels, and yet you have not kept it. When they heard these things, they became enraged and ground their teeth at Stephen. But filled with the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears, and with a loud shout, all rushed together against him. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him, and the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died. And Saul approved of their killing him. That day, a severe persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the countryside of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentations over him. But Saul was ravaging the church by entering house after house, dragging off both men and women. He committed them to prison. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the Psalm of David, number 15. O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? Those who walk blamelessly and do what is right and speak the truth from their heart. Who do not slander with their tongue and do no evil to their friends, nor heap shame upon their neighbors. In whose eyes the wicked are despised, but who honor those who fear the Lord, who stand by their oath, even to their hurt. Who do not lend money at interest, and do not take a bribe against the innocent. Those who do these things shall never be moved. Amen. reading from the Gospel of Luke, the 10th chapter. Now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted 
by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. The Gospel of the Lord. I begin this morning with the irony of Stephen's calling. The apostles entrusted Stephen to reform a failing system. Now, they could have done it themselves, but the apostles chose seven others, including Stephen, because they did not want to neglect their study and teaching of the word in order to, as they say, wait on tables. Doesn't it seem odd then that we never get a picture of Stephen with these widows he's called to serve? We never see a scene where Stephen appears like Martha running around making sure everyone is fed or a scene where he's working out how to better distribute the goods to those in need so all have a share. That's what he was called to do, was he not? To the ministry of hospitality and to fulfill God's command to care for the most vulnerable. Instead, the first thing the Bible says about him, Stephen was full of grace and power, doing signs and wonders, speaking in such a way that some in his audience could not withstand his words. I mean, what a description. They could not withstand the wisdom of the spirit with which Stephen spoke. But wait, wasn't he supposed to be waiting tables? What do we make of this? Well, one thought, and I read this, and this is not my own, and actually I'm a little undecided on it, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. We are called as followers of Jesus to live a balance between witness to the word and physical concrete service, word and service. But it's easy to privilege one above the other. We like to lean into the places where we are most comfortable. Maybe that's when we're content to serve and do the hands-on things that life together requires. Or maybe we're shy or mistrustful that our thoughts would be welcome. Maybe we don't feel like we know God's story well enough to share it. Or maybe our own story with God is too emotional for us to tell and we feel too exposed. So we stick in conversation to what feels better, the doing part in Christian life. On the flip side, maybe you're a bit like me and you can get lost in the word to the detriment of those around you. That's why I'm always 10 minutes late for everything, right? I'm a little bit more like those apostles, right? Losing sight of the big picture. I run behind in life because I'm busy thinking. It's easy for me to lean into the places where there is study and debate and analysis of God's word. It's easy for me to sink into different forms of prayer and presence. That's the part that feels natural. You should ask Ian what kind of housekeeper I am. So my life needs balance too. And anyone who spends a lot of time upstairs in their mind, they know how grounding it is to do the clean work of tasks where there is beginning and end to the job at hand and where there is sustenance for the body, not just the mind. I think that's how this early introduction of Stephen is often preached. We need the balance of hospitality and presence with the word, a world of Mary and Martha, not divided, but unified as a symbol of Christian life. Each of us needs both word and hospitality to live a complete life. But as I rolled these verses over and over in my mind, rolled them over each other in my mind, I became more mystified. 
Stephen was full of grace and power, and he did signs and wonders. And everything that comes after that, as his community responds to his gifts, it just really struck me. Sometimes when we call people to certain kinds of work, we get more than we bargained for. Or we get maybe not even more, but something completely different. Or when we ourselves take the risk to say yes to a new calling, we start something for one reason, but then stay in the work for an entirely different reason. Often we stay because we find a voice we didn't know we had, right? That's a big reason why we end up staying in work that changes and transforms. I would imagine that that is true for so many of you. How many of you have said yes to a life calling and discovered something entirely unexpected afterward? And just ponder that. And I invite you over the course of the week, pray about that, wonder about that. Have you said yes to a life calling only to find something entirely different? I mean, marriage, right, to me, seems like a kind of obvious example. There's falling in love and saying yes to marriage, and then there's the marriage itself and the living the commitment, which is awfully different than betrothal and honeymoon and those first months and years, at least in that classic image of a marriage. But what other callings could there be? Where in your life did you realize you had a voice you didn't know you had because God put you in a new place or God put you with a new people? That was Stephen, a man commissioned to feed widows and instead, or likely alongside, graces his community with the fire of his testimony, the charismatic retelling of Jewish history in a way that makes a home for him too, a man whose word pulls real punches. And I put some of those in the reading for us today, how he calls out the leaders in the crowd for their rigidity and their inflexibility and their failure to see the possibility of the new covenant. And remind here, here, this is not Christian exceptionalism, a moment where we say those poor Jews, if only they would follow Jesus, they would have been saved, right? That's a distorted lens from our own contemporary time. But this is a moment when we are asked to look at our own hardened institutions, our own rigidities that get in the way of catching the fire of the Spirit. Stephen's crowd, right, sometimes us, right, could not break out to make room for a new way. And even more crucially, they could not make room for a new temple nor a new people. Because that's what Acts is about. It's about the barriers that exist between people and how the early Jesus followers from within challenged our strict, inflexible, rigid divisions, human versus human divisions, and the divisions between God and people. Stiff-necked, Stephen calls them, the same accusation against Pharaoh in Egypt all those generations ago. No wonder they were enraged. Stephen called them tyrants and oppressors, covenant breakers, bystanders. In Acts, it all comes down around them. It's hard not to draw parallels between Stephen's death and that of Jesus. In fact, we are supposed to see the crucifixion imprint here. Yes, it is stones, not a cross. But see how the scenes rhyme, right? There's the mob again. There is the presence of those with the power to stop the madness but choose not to. Again, Stephen, like Jesus, holds the presence of the Spirit and the vision to see the beyond. And most profoundly, and ears, your ears should be burning when you hear him speak to God, pray to God to receive his Spirit and not hold the sin of this moment against his perpetrators. Our hearts should burn. 
because this is the Christ crucifixion again. But instead of a tomb and an Easter morning and a risen Stephen, something a bit different happens. We still get a resurrection, but one that we were not expecting. Because who is watching here? Who does scripture point to in the moment that Stephen breathes his last? To a bystander, a persecutor full of rage himself. And we are left with an eerie image of a man named Saul who ravaged the church, entering house after house, dragging off both men and women, separating families, tearing children from their parents, and committing them to prison. And who is this Saul? In just a few short chapters, he will become the most powerful Christian missionary possibly our world has ever known. In this moment of horror, this stoning, the spirit Stephen unleashes will change everything for those first followers. Everything up to this moment has happened near the temple within the holy city of Jerusalem, but now the geography of faith will change. The boundaries, physical, spiritual, everything will fall, and the spirit will be unbounded. A tomb opens, but perhaps not the one we thought we would see. And for that, you will have to listen next week. Peace be with you all. Amen. In the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Dark midnight was my cry, dark midnight was my cry, dark midnight was my cry, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, you may have all the rest, give me Just about the break of day, just about the break of day, just about the break of day, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, you may have all the rest, give me Jesus. And when I want to sing, and when I want to sing, and when I want to sing, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus. You may have all the rest. Give me Jesus. I believe in God the Father Almighty, 
Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So I found in our hymnal a prayer to close today, and it's a prayer that we are meant to pray on Stephen's Martyr Day, December 26th. But I offer it to you now in July as we lift up his story. We give you thanks, O Lord of glory, for the example of Stephen, the first martyr, who looked to heaven and prayed for his persecutors. Grant that we also may pray for our enemies and seek forgiveness for those who hurt us. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us pray in the words that our Lord Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are your church. We need your power in us. We seek your kingdom first. We hunger and we thirst. Refuse to waste our lives for your our joy and prize. To see the captives' hearts released, the hurt, the sick, the poor at peace. We lay down our lives for heaven's cause. We
Go in peace, love, and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.